in a series here um, that talks about our declaration of dependence. And as we engage in this series, essentially, you know, that's just what it means. It means that we are acknowledging that we can't do this on our own. And at some point, you know, for some of us, we struggle with that in life. For some of us, we go through life and we think, well, I can do this. Well, I can, I can make this happen. I can, you know, I can overcome this or I can do this. And it's, and it's, it's like we will go through our whole lives struggling because we haven't come to that position to say, I can't do this. I can't live a life that's pleasing to God. I can't live a life that's going to produce the things that only God can produce with inside of, or within me. I can't find fulfillment in life. I can't find that, that, that hunger, that thirst that I'm truly looking for. And at that point, many of us see, we turn and we see that Christ is pursuing us with this love relationship. And we come to our knees and we say, I can't do this. And we submit our lives to Christ. And we surrender our lives to Christ. But that's a huge act. Because it takes submission. It takes, this, it takes this sense of us waving a white flag saying on our knees saying, I surrender. I can't do this. And for some of us, that's very hard. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's because we're taught to be very strong. We're taught to never show weakness because that's not something that's good in our society or whatever it may be. But for some of us, we may fight that throughout our whole lives and never come to that realization to understand that God absolutely loves us and He pursues us and He wants us to have life and have life to the fullest. For some others of us, we've come to that realization that we can't do this and so we submit, we surrender our lives to Christ and we're working hard at following Him through the power of His Holy Spirit. But it all rests in that concept that we live in this state of dependence, not independence, but a state of dependence upon Him and upon the power of His Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about our journeys. We've been talking about our stories like Jeff and CJ shared last week about our stories. I always find it interesting when we start talking about stories. Uh, some of us have stories that are the tech, are the, you know, they make good books. You know what I mean? It's like they are good stories where God reaches down in the in the wretchedness and pulls us up out and and cleans us off and changes us. And they're they're like these big stories, you know. And then there's others that that don't really have that type of story. It, as it seems, we may say, well, my story's really not that great. I didn't really veer off the path that much, so when I tell my story, it's kind of boring. But let me share something with you. Let me share a different perspective with you. Regardless of where you were and where you've been, when God reached into your life and you waved that flag and you said, I want, I want your grace, I want your mercy, regardless of where you were at, I hope we all can understand what the Scripture teaches about our righteousness when it comes to the righteousness of God. Because it's not comparing my story to your story. It's not comparing my wretchedness to your wretchedness and what God has done and, and, the, and that my wretchedness, may, my story may be more thrilling than your story. But it comes down to comparing our lives and our righteousness to that of God. And the Bible teaches that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. That every single one of us, our righteousness in our human, in our human perspective, in our natural perspective as we come into this world, our righteousness is viewed by God as dirty rags. Filthy, dirty rags. You see, that's where we all have the same story. 
Because truth be known, when God reaches down into the depths of broken humanity, and He reaches down extending salvation, and He saves us, there is something absolutely tremendous that happens. Because we're saved from being separated from God forever. And we receive His eternal love. Does that make sense? I think we all look back and can understand that God looked at us in our righteousness compared to His. It's not compared to other people's. Our stories, we may say, well, our story's just not that exciting. Absolutely it is. Those of us that have accepted the free gift of grace and salvation, our stories are just out of the park exciting. Because now we are part of the family of God and we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And none of us ever deserve that regardless. And so, uh, as we look at that and then we move forward to today, we're going to talk about our stories and we're going to talk about our lives and I want to share with you kind of, I want, to, I want us to focus on some perspectives here because I think sometimes we look at our lives and we kind of, some of us may struggle with our past, some of us may struggle with our present, you know, our, the present moment that we live in, uh, and, and some of us may look at it and we say, well, I, I just don't really contribute that much. Well, I want, I, want to, I want us to take a look at something, and I want us to take a look at the life of Moses. So if you would turn with me to Exodus. And we're going to look at the very first chapter of Exodus. Or I should say, well, we're going to take a, a um, we're going to take a look at the birth of Moses. Now, up until this point, what we have seen, if we would go back in Genesis and take a quick snapshot of Genesis, what we see is, remember the whole famine when you read the story? There's a famine that took place, and so Joseph ends up in Egypt. He brings his family over to Egypt. And at the end of Genesis, we see the nation of Israel beginning to grow. They begin to become very prosperous, and they begin to grow in Egypt. And so in Exodus, where we pick up is the, the Pharaoh, uh, the new leader of Egypt and, and, uh, is, has changed. It's no longer the one that Joseph knew. It's someone different. This guy begins to get very threatened by the nation of Israel becoming, or they weren't a nation then, but the Hebrews becoming uh, very uh, numerous. And so he puts out a decree to kill all of the male children. And he says, all you midwives, when you... When you come across a male child at that birthing, at the birthing stool, you, you will kill the male ch- children. And so now we have this horrific thing that often resemble, or, or, it re- literally resembles what we read about in the birth of Jesus, right? During His time. The same type of paranoia, the same type of insecurities uh, from the leader at those times. And we see the, kind of the same thing playing out. And so this is what's taking place. So as the story goes, Moses is born... His mom does not want to, uh, she kind of saves him. Uh, We've kind of read this story before, but I want to direct our attention to it once again. And it says, uh, to kind of reflect on what I just shared with you, in in chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Then the king of Egypt said to Hebrew, or I think it's 15 there, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of them whom was named uh, Shifra and the other Paula, When you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stool, even if it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, let them live. And so they feared, as, as we continue on, they feared 
they feared uh, the, the they feared God more than he did Pharaoh, so they spared some of these children. And so in chapter 2 we pick up and we see that Moses is born. And it says in verse 3, when she could hide him no longer, she took from him a ba- or took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with butamen and, and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And as the sister stood at a distance to know what would what be done to him, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw a child and behold, the baby was crying and she took pity on him and said, "This is one of the Hebrews' children." Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, "Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you?" And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, "Go." So the girl went and called the child's mother. You see some. Do you see some powerful things lining up here? Uh, she goes and she calls the child's mother, which would have been Moses' Moses's mother, and she says, "I want you to raise this child for me, and I will pay you to do that." So essentially. Uh, Moses' mom is getting paid to raise her child, her own child. And so it says that uh, the women took, uh, took the child, nursed him, and when the child grew older, she brought him to the Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, when we go ahead and we start reading a little bit more of Moses' life, we see certain things taking place. Moses is a Hebrew. He's now growing up in the palace of the Egyptians, Correct? And so during this time, his mother is raising him. She's being paid to raise him. It's amazing how God works all of this out. How God so intricately works everything out, has oversight of everything, and begins to put some things in place that is very, uh, very powerful in, in shaping the life of Moses. For as you can understand and, and think about it, as, as Moses was being raised in the palace, he had his mom raising him up, teaching him the things of God. The things that the Egyptians wouldn't have known. But teaching him the things of God. And so his mom is teaching him and, and pretty much saying, this, this isn't you. You're not an Egyptian. This is who you are. You're a Hebrew. And so from an early time in Moses' life at some point, he begins to realize that he's different. And he begins to realize that this calling that he has in life is going to be of something else. And it's not going to be for the Egyptians, but it's going to be for the Hebrew, or for the Hebrew his people. In fact, one day as he was out, if we would continue reading in chapter 2, he was out, and you've read the story probably, he was out and he saw um, a couple of the uh, Hebrews, or a couple of the individuals fighting there, a couple of Hebrews. Let me make sure I want to get to... Um, it says, one day when Moses had grown up, and this is in verse 11, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which was one of his people. He began to look at it, and he began to have this sense of passion and understanding that these are my people, and these Egyptians are beating my people. So he kills the Egyptian, and he hides the Egyptian. So now Moses is creating what we would call a good story, right? For some of us, we can resonate with that. When we look at our past, we have things in our lives where we say, I hope that never surfaces. I hope my past never serves. I hope it never comes up because it's something that I might be very embarrassed of or I'm very ashamed of. And I don't want anybody else to know that. Moses had the same thing. And so Moses, because, of the, because he did this and he feared what might happen uh, from the Pharaoh, he takes off and he runs. And he goes off for 40 years living, tending sheep. Now, what's really exciting about this, if we just stop and take a look, is that 
there was a sense of purpose to Moses' past. Just like yours and ours. There is a sense of purpose to our past if we would just stop and really think about it for a second. God can use every single aspect of our past to bring purpose and to bring Him glory. We're told, told that later on by Paul. Where it says God will use all things for His glory for the, those who love Him. And I'm paraphrasing that. But he, he, it, it, it's this context that says, or it's this message that says, your past can bring purpose. Your past can have purpose. For some of us, we don't like to look at that. We think, well, there's no way my past can bring purpose. That's where we're starting to miss the point. That's where we're starting to get off point. We're starting to take things into our own hands. Because God can use every single little thing to bring purpose and to bring Him glory within our lives. Some of you may be sitting here this morning. I mean, we've heard this before. You've had the discussion with individuals. You may be sitting in here and this is your mantra because you haven't really waved that white flag to God yet and surrendered completely to God your entire life because you're afraid of some of the things you've done in your past. And you ask the question, and we've heard it before if you're not asking it today, but you hear this question from a lot of people that says this, how can God love me with the things that I've done in my past? Right? How can God possibly forgive me of the things that I've done in my past? And for some people, and you may be sitting in here this morning, for some people, you, it's, the, it's like this obstacle that, that, that we may never get over it our whole lives, where we keep dwelling on our past. We keep dwelling on our past. We keep dwelling on our past and we're saying, there's no way that God could ever forgive me. Well, here's the beauty of the whole thing. God brings purpose to our past. Just like in this particular situation, it's said that, that Moses grew up in the palace and he was about 40 years old before he left. And so by, by Moses' past, God was able to, later on when Moses would, see, would experience the burning bush, and he told Moses, I want you to go back and deliver my people, Moses had comp- a complete understanding of the Egyptian culture and lifestyle. Right? He was able then to go back into his past and literally be able to inter, inter, or relate with individuals that the Egyptians at that time. He knew the culture. And so his past began to take shape. And even though he created this monstrosity of an event such as murder, God was able to, to take and to forgive and move forward. God brings purpose to our past. I don't care what you've done. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter what we've done. There's not something that we could look at and we could say, well, I crossed the line back here. In my past, I crossed the line. There's no way God can ever take this and bring Himself glory. What I'm telling you guys, if you believe in that, is you couldn't be the further from the truth. God is God. God can take anything and use it to bring Himself glory. There are things that we may have done in our past that we're completely ashamed of that after God gets a hold of our lives, after we raise that white flag, we're able to go to other individuals that may be struggling with that same exact thing and breathe life into their, into their, uh, into their, into their lives. Because we can say, I can relate. I was there. I was there. This is what I've done. This is where, where, where I was at. In my brokenness, this is what happened to me. And consequently, what can happen? God can absolutely bring purpose from our past. You see how our stories matter? Do you see how our journeys matter to the glory of God? 
It's, it's, all about, it's all about God's glory. And we've shared this with you from, from up here where people, where their lives have been radically changed by God where, God, where they might have done something that just seems like they've crossed that line, but God reached down in His love and just, just pulled them out of that, extending them grace, extending them hope, extending them forgiveness, and using it to bring Himself glory. And often that's what we say. Our stories are not really our stories. You've heard it from a couple people that have shared their stories. My story's not my story. My story is God's story. And when God radically redeems us, when God radically reaches down into our brokenness and rescues us, He brings Himself glory. And it's all about Him. And it's His story Because He's using it to bring Himself glory. So I pray that every single one of us sitting here this morning could understand, could grab a hold, could begin to think about that regardless of what has happened in our past, God can use it to bring purpose in the future. The second one is this. God brings purpose not just to our past, but God brings brings peace to our present. So in our present time, in our present, uh, uh, in, in the present state we live in, God brings a sense of peace. Think about this for a second. If you had something take place in your past that you're, you're, you just want to guard and you don't want other people to know, you become very restless. You become an individual that wants to control things because you want to make sure that you're not exposed. You want to make sure that nothing, uh, you know, leaks out. That nothing, no, no one comes in and understands or sees or, 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 or even has a glance at maybe what has happened in, in your past or your former life. And so in that particular state, you live in a sense of anxiousness. You're never at peace because you're always you're fearful that something will come about it. You're fearful that something will happen and that someone will, will find you out. When we raise that white flag and say, I'm done. I'm done. Some of us as Christians, we still need to raise that white flag on a daily basis to say, I'm done. I'm done. I can't own this anymore. I can't own this. What happens is, there's a sense of peace that sweeps over us that is absolutely amazing. There's a sense of peace that sweeps over, the, over us that we begin to understand my life is in God's hands. My life will not only bring purpose to my past, it brings this sense of peace that I'm experiencing now to the present time, which means this. It means if I'm found out, who cares? Because at the end of the day, the only person that matters is God. And when we begin to focus on that, that's when this sense of anxiousness this sense of, of control, this sense of uh, frustration or whatever you want to call it, those things that we experience when we have that lack of peace, when that finally gives and peace overfloods us, it is an absolute amazing feeling to live in the presence of God and to trust Him. Does that make sense? This is really basic stuff that we're talking about today. But it's so basic that many of us, even sitting in here this morning, are living our lives in a state that God doesn't desire. We're not living in the freedom of God. We're not living in the freedom of salvation. We're not living in the freedom of of Christ's blood as He went to the cross and it's washed over my sins. We're not living in that freedom. We're living in this this other kind of state of uh, anxiety or whatever you want to call it because we're still struggling with understanding that my past, whatever I've done, my past can bring purpose. 
Just like with Moses' life, his past was used to bring the people out of Egypt. His past was also used as a purpose to understand as he spent those other 40 years wandering around, attending sheep, that that is exactly where he would bring the people, the Hebrew, the Hebrew people at that time, as they were leaving Egypt, they would spend their time wandering around in that same exact spot. Moses knew it. Moses knew it because he had spent time there. God redeeming. God taking things of our lives and redeeming them and using them to bring Himself glory. So it not only brings a sense of purpose to our past, it not only brings a sense of peace to our present, but it's this. It gives hope to our future. Now, think about this for a second. Regardless of what I may be going through right now, regardless of what you may be going through right now, and you may, have, you may have had something shared with you this week that kind of rocked your world. You may have had something shared with you in the, in the, in the recent past that, that, I mean, it just it, it really grabbed your attention. It really got a hold of you and, and to the point where it just really it just has rattled you. If you could stop and understand that God could use it to bring purpose and to give you peace and to bring hope for the future, doesn't that begin to kind of enable you to manage it more? And to help release it to God to understand, you know what, this, this thing that I'm struggling with right now, it, can, it, could, it could actually bring hope for my future. As God comes in, as God delivers me, as God gives me hope, as God gives me uh, the strength to get through this, I can actually be a witness to someone else in the future. I can actually go to someone else and share with them the same sickness that I went through. Maybe a sickness that we survived and we go back and we're able to share with others that's going through it because we have this deep, profound uh, sensitivity towards this certain thing because we went through it. And we understand what another person is feeling at that particular time. That brings hope to our future. That brings hope to our future and helps us to understand that it's all God's and God's going to use it to bring Himself glory. Listen to this passage. You've heard it hundreds of times. Found in Jeremiah 29.11. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. When we can truly understand that verse, when I say understand, I'm saying we truly buy into it. Where our lives are built on that. Where our lives are built on that truth. Where we understand that, that we that God has our best interest at His heart. When we fully understand that I can trust God. Because this is, what that, this is what that passage really means. It means that I can wave that white flag and I can say, God, here is my life and regardless of what I go through, regardless of what I may experience, it's in Your control. You're going to, be, you're going to use it. You're going to use it to bring You glory. You're going to take all these things and make it good for You. When we begin to build our lives on that, there is a sense of contentment and peace that, that, that just literally grabs a hold of us. And, and, and it's like we're knit, as the Bible taught, uses that word knit at times. It's like we're knit. He knits Himself around us to where, it's, to where all these other, this anxiousness and this fearfulness and all these other things begin to just dissipate. Because we have this complete, implicit trust in God. Now, let me say this. That's a great sermon when you're talking about ideally, right? And I think for some of us, that's how we hear these things and we walk out and we say, that's a great... Ideally, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. Man, ideally, that's awesome. And some of us will leave this room today and we will leave with that message and we'll think, that's, that's powerful, but... Oh man, yeah, I understand. You know, I, I I read those passages. I understand the purpose, the the sense of peace, the the sense of hope, and all that stuff. I I get it. I understand it. He really made a good point. But, but, and we continue to live our lives in a way that is the really the antithesis of what God wants to do in and through us on a daily basis. Don't let let's not let the enemy deceive us. Let's not let the enemy deceive us this morning. Because the last thing the enemy wants us to do is wave the white flag and say, God, my life is in Your hands. I completely and implicitly trust You. Period. And whatever may come my way, that's what I'm going to... And I get, guys, I get when I'm speaking this, I hear myself talking and I'm saying to you, I will admit to you, it's the hardest thing that we're going to ever have to face probably is to completely trust God in that respect. Some of you have, have, uh, have been on this journey for a while, and at some point in your life, you realize that it's time to raise the white flag. You realize that if you continue on this journey, that your life's going to be miserable unless you live in a state of submission and humbleness, waving that white flag before God and saying, my life is yours, my past is yours, my present is yours, my future is yours, everything is yours, because you're going to use my life to bring you glory in some sort of way. And you're living, you're sitting in here this morning, and if you would stand right now, if I would give you the opportunity to stand, you could stand up and you could say, let me tell you how Jesus has literally transformed and changed my life. There are some of us in here this morning, we taste it, and then we let it go. We taste it, and then we let it go. We, it's like back and forth, and it's that humanness where it's like, we let it go, and then we take control. We let it go, and then we take control. I pray that this morning might be a time where we open up and allow the Holy Spirit to just dive completely into our lives to expose those areas, to expose us, that, 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 the, the, the trueness of who we are, to realize, do, am I truly basing my life upon these truths that, that's, that's, out, that's lined here in the Scripture? Am I truly following Jesus Christ? When I say that I'm a Christian, I say that I'm going after His way, that I believe that His way is the way, does my life replicate that? And there's going to be times where we struggle. I get that. But the question always comes, it's going to come back to how much do I truly believe? Do I truly believe this or do I not truly believe it? We shared with you on Easter, and as the worship team comes back up to close us with a couple songs, I want to share with you a very powerful story that you were a part of, that you've been able to be a part of. Um, I believe this next slide is going to show you an image. You remember uh, the Give Hope Now? You remember the whole story where we had a family called the Ar their names are the Arnos that attend the Adrian campus. They're, they're one of their daughters, does, do we have a picture of their family? One of their daughters, this is not their daughter, this is actually the mom, uh, but one of their daughters, uh, Veta, has stage 1, is that correct? Stage 1 diabetes. Type 1. Listen, I've got my doctorate, okay? And we were, we were told that it's stage 1 and type 1, okay? So... Please go share that with your friends too, alright? So. She has type 1 diabetes. 
Which means in the middle of the night, she's four years old, in the middle of the night, the parents have to get up and make sure that her sugar levels haven't fallen because she could go into a diabetic coma and, and die. Can you, some of you may have experienced some of this stuff in your life. Some of you probably know some other individuals that have a child in this particular situation, but could you just imagine what it must feel like as a parent? You know, talk about journey, talk about stories, talk about, you know, when you talk about life and, you, and, and you're living your life and this happens, and probably one of the things, the first things we probably do is say, why? Why? Why do I have to experience, why does our family have to experience this? Why does my child have to be cursed with this disease? But as the story goes, uh, we've reached out to them and we said, uh, what if we could help them out? What if we could purchase for them a service dog? A dog that would alert the family to, to ensure that, uh, that Veda would not slip into a diabetic coma at nighttime, but the dog would actually be able to alert the parents, not only just at nighttime, but throughout the day as well. What if we as a church, what if we as a family, a community of believers could surround this family that's experiencing hopelessness right now, that's experiencing a lot of an enormity of, of stress, an enormity of anxiety or whatever you want to call it, and exhausted from it. What if we would surround, their, surround them and reach out to them? And so we put it out there before you guys at Easter. And we said, hey, every Easter we give away every single penny of our, of the, of the, that comes in, uh, our offering. And so, and I shared with you, I shared with you guys, I was very honest. You know, this dog was going to cost around sixteen or $17,000. That's a lot of money, to, you know, to, you know to, to buy on a dog, you know, to buy a dog and to, to give towards a dog. And, and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, man, usually we get around 12000 What? How are we going to make up the rest? That's where I'm thinking. Come to find out, it's where some of the other staff was thinking too. Come to find out, it's where some of you were thinking as well. I'm going down, you're going down too. And then we had our offering for Easter. And it came in. At like $23,000. $23,000. Do you realize the story that that, where God reached down and through you guys, through us collectively, where we reached down, where God used us and, and allowed us to take part, to be a part of a bigger story here that came in and said, hey, let us provide hope to a family that wasn't experiencing it at the time. And I'm telling you what, guys, my world was rocked probably just as much as that family was. Maybe not as much, but my world was rocked too. We found out how much we got. Not to, Maybe I did doubt. I don't know. I guess that would be classified as doubting. But I was absolutely rocked when I found you know, when those numbers came in to the point where I heard like half of it that came from one campus. I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna celebrate until I talk to Jim. Because Jim will have the have the full numbers and there won't be a mistake. And sure enough, it wasn't a mistake. And so in this picture, you're gonna see you see me and, and CJ. I'm in the red. You don't know that. So. Wow. Um, we're presenting part of the deposit to her at that time as they're in a process of, of getting the dog. And we just wanted to share with you a quick update. 
uh, where they initially were going to get the dog, it was it was going to be like a year or so, and it was kind of like, wow, that's a, that's a letdown. So we thought it was going to be a little bit more uh, quicker than that. And then they found out that there was another place that was um, had some amenities that was even better, and it was only going to be six months, and it was closer. It was in Indiana, and there and these places are even going to co- these places even is going to come to their home and help train at the home, whereas this other place they would have to go, you know. Uh, over to West Virginia and the eastern part of the state to, to, to receive some training. And so it's just amazing how God works things out where you're focused on one thing and you're like, this is really good. And then you realize, ah, that kind of fell through. But God, out of his love and grace, always comes through in something bigger and better. And so I just wanted to share with you that this is kind of the first step that we're engaged in. And the Arno family, and this is Brianne, and, and they are just absolutely super excited she came into the office that day and she was just like thank you thank you thank you so much and i told her i said no thank you because we're all part of this this is all part of our story here at element where we're reaching into the life of somebody we're we're giving hope and so it's just exciting to see this um her husband Corey, had been struggling for a while i think spiritually as a lot of us probably would going through uh, certain times like this and as this gift, this gracious gift, began to come to fruition, it just literally has blown him away, as well as her, to think that there's people that genuinely care. And so I just want to say again, thank you, and, and I want you to celebrate that we're all playing a part of another story here, and that God is bringing purpose to something. God is bringing purpose. He's bringing a sense of peace now into their story. He's also bringing a sense of hope. And what's exciting, even through this, it's it's bringing them hope, yes, for the future. It's bringing them hope. But even more importantly, what's even, or I should say even more, or also exciting, is the fact that they, since this has all started to happen, it's become much larger where they're coming into contact with other individuals that are in the same situation. And they're able to share their story. They're able to share you know, uh, just be able to share where and, and God's receiving His glory. And that's what it's all about. Our lives are to bring God glory. As I close, I just want to say this one more time. If you want to know your purpose in life, I'll share it with you right now. It's the same with every single person sitting in here this morning. Every single one of us has the same purpose. What is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? I'm going to share it with you right now. It's to bring God glory. That's your purpose in life. And when you begin to raise the white flag and you begin to realize that your whole life is His, every part of it, the past, the present, the future, when you begin to succumb to that and you begin to get on your knees and wave that white flag and say, God, here is my life. Here is my life. You take it. You bring glory. Regardless of what what has taken place in it, regardless of what's going to happen, regardless of where I'm going, God, this is your life. You do with it what you please. That's your purpose. That's my purpose and that's your purpose. It may look a little different in my life. It may look a little different in your life. But it's about bringing God glory. And I'm just so excited to share this story because, again, it's just another story where God comes in and He does something miraculous and He begins to bring Himself glory. And we get to taste it. We get to be a part of that. And I hope you get excited about that. And I hope you're excited about allowing God to bring glory through your life and through your story as well. Why don't we stand and let me just lead us into a word of prayer as we close our time here through the message.
and just begin to open our begin to uh, open up our hearts to Him and respond to Him the way He wants us to respond. Father, thank you so much uh, for the message you have for us today, for reminding us once again that our lives are yours, that that you bring purpose to our past, regardless of how wretched it may be, regardless of what it looks like. It doesn't matter whether it was good or bad or whatever. You ultimately can bring purpose to it and giving us a sense of peace in the present and also a sense of hope for the future. And so, Father, I pray today that you would just, your spirit would just continue to to have freedom in this room. I pray that hearts would open up. They would allow your spirit to guide and direct right now. I pray that the, 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 the those that need to make a decision to follow you, that today might be the day they open their hearts to you and allow you to have control, that they surrender and allow you to have control of their lives. I pray for other people in here that may have already done that, but they've been struggling for some time and they've kind of taking the reins over again. They need to let loose. I pray that they would find freedom and a sense of peace and a sense of hope this morning, knowing that that, that they need to give the reins back to you. And Father, those that are in here celebrating because they are on this journey and they continue to live in a state of submission on a daily basis, please just bless them, anoint them, allow them to just uh, continue to, to be blessed by being obedient to you. Father, just have your way with us right now as we close our time here with a couple songs. Help us to respond the way you want us to respond. And we pray and ask all that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.